Comedian John Christ cancels tour because of sexual misconduct and addiction. And why is it so hard for some Christians to talk about spiritual warfare? Stay with us as we look at these and other stories on the 511 News. Now, there are two kinds of people in the world, only two kinds, not black and white, not rich and poor. There are those who are dead in sin and there are those who are dead to sin. After three nights of unbridled lawlessness across London, the contagion is spreading. The problem is that God has already judged this. He has judged murder already. I don't need to question it. I don't need to ask and wonder what his plan is. We're commanded as Christians not to participate in the works of darkness, but expose them. Welcome back to the 511 News. I'm your host, Chad Davidson of Good Fight Ministries. And on today's episode, we're going to be talking about a number of subjects that are really, really important and really, really sad. Specifically, what's going on with quote-unquote Christian comedian John Christ. And even though he apparently hasn't been acting very Christian, so to speak, uh, he is a comedian that's very well known in the Christian scene. He's got a number of things. Uh, He has a whole series. He makes videos calling Check Your Heart and... One of the big problems is maybe he was saying this in jest because he needed to be checking his heart along the way. And guys, this isn't a entire show on the condemnation of John Chris, okay? Because what I want for that man is reconciliation to Christ. What I want for him is to humble himself. And I know he's come out and he's made statements now that he's been caught that, uh, you know, he's sorry for these allegations. They're true. Some are true. Some are false. That's the usual narrative that we hear. But ultimately, I, I would love for his sin to be cast as far as the East is from the West. And guys, this is the thing, is that we need to understand biblically, doctrinally, where we stand when it comes to those who are practicing the sins of drunkenness, practicing the sins of fornication, adultery, uh, because that's what he was doing. And if we say that that is a believer, we're going to disagree with Scripture. I'm sorry for you guys that are in the crowd of the once save, always save crowd. Guys, that's just not a biblical stance. You need to hold on to eternal life. Jesus is the one that brings that. And when people are practicing these things, First John gives us an entire letter for us to know. It says in 1 John 5, 13, why he wrote the letter that we may know we have eternal life. And the fact is is that 1 John goes specifically, very, very specifically over and over from the very start of the book in chapter one, that he was writing those things and that he said, this is the message that I heard from him, that God is light in him. There is no darkness at all. If anyone walks in darkness and claims he knows him, he's a liar, guys. You can't say you know Jesus and walk in darkness. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 is really, really clear on this. See to it, don't be deceived, it says. Whenever you read, and I and I would I would just implore you as a believer, whenever you will read something that says, do not be deceived, just put a highlighter on it and know the church in America is probably deceived on this, okay? It's very, very common. So when I read, do not be deceived, Neither liars, nor fornicators, nor adulterers, nor drunkards, right? Reviler, all the, all the lists that he gives there will inherit the kingdom of God, okay? I need to recognize that those people that practice those things, as First John chapter 3 says, they are not children of God, they are children of the devil. And those who think that you can be hearers of the word and not doers are deceived and deceiving others. So guys, when we talk about, it's different to say we have people that stumble in sin, okay? There are people that stumble, all right? James 3, 2 is really, really clear on that. 
James included himself in that. We all stumble in many ways. In Luke chapter 17, Jesus says that stumbling blocks are unavoidable. Okay, so we need to recognize that there is a difference between stumbling, hating the sin which you have fallen into, and continuing headlong in that sin. Okay, Hebrews chapter 10 makes it even more clear when it comes to this. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26, we have what I believe, starting at verse 26, is the staunchest warning in the New Testament about those who would practice sin while proclaiming Christ. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26, it says, For if we go on sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury of a fire which will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much severer the punishment do you think he will deserve who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has regarded as unclean the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has insulted the Spirit of grace? For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, and again the Lord will judge his people. Verse 31, it is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Remember that verse 26 started out by saying, for if we, we, he's not talking to non-believers there, okay? He's talking to believers. And this is after verse chapter 3, which warns of a person that would have a sinful, unbelieving heart. Check this out. Verse 12 in chapter 3, take care, brethren. Who? Brethren. Who? Brethren. Okay? That there not be any of any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. But encourage one another day after day, as long as it is still called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if, if, we hold fast the beginning of our assurance firm until the end. Guys, it is really, really important that we understand this, okay? That those who walk in sin, as 1 John 3 says, those who practice sin are not of God, okay? So if you made some profession of faith, okay, all right? Or even if you were a legitimate believer, okay? As Hebrews chapter 6 will tell us, verses 4 through 6, somebody who had the Holy Spirit, okay, tasted of the heavenly gift, all right, if you then go and leave behind the commandments of God, okay, not by, it's literally a, it shows where your heart is. Is your heart unto God? Is your heart unto the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you given your life completely to him? Okay, Jesus warned very, very clearly, if you love me, you would obey my commandments, Okay, we need to make sure, as Jude says, we keep ourselves in the love of God. That's our duty. Our job is to cling to Jesus. He has done, bought, and paid for our sins on that cross. And we are to cling to him. We're to be obedient to him. We're to love him. You see that all those whom he foreknew, everyone he knew would come to Christ. All those whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. You are predestined to be like Jesus. That's your predestination, that you would be conformed to his 
image if you are his son. That's exactly what you're supposed to look like. So those practicing sin, those going headlong, and guys, I got to read a little bit of these testimonies of some of the ways he was manipulating women so you guys can understand why I'm saying this. I had to, I'm sorry, I don't care. I have to give the warnings. As Paul said, he preached the kindness and the severity of Christ, okay? That way, guess what? He wouldn't have blood on his hands, all right? I don't want anyone who would ever listen to a show that we play to think you could do the things that John Christ was doing, okay? And hopefully, please, I pray that he has repented, okay? And think that, oh, well, they were a believer. They had the markings of the Lord Jesus Christ. They were just like Paul said, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Okay, the warnings that we have in scripture are clear warnings to not practice these things. And I was reading some of the testimonies of some of the women that were taken advantage of. Now, a lot of them, they changed their name in the stories. Uh, but one young girl that they call Kate in the article on uh, Charisma News, which I'm not giving an endorsement. It's just the source. Um, Charisma News got some wacky stuff on there. But um but he, Kate, uh, who they, they changed the name for, uh, was interviewing him, okay, and actually even brought her boyfriend to the interview and was really excited that she could sit down with John Christ and even her boyfriend and they could all talk. And she was really excited and thought nothing of it after the interview when Christ asked if he could have her number or when he later added her on Snapchat and began messaging her. But then said uh, she was so excited she told her boyfriend about the meeting that they were going to have, and she reached. She went to his apartment. He met her outside. She said, hey, let's go rollerblading, and invited her upstairs to, quote, grab a few things for the trip. Upstairs, he gave her a water bottle full of raspberry vodka and poured himself a whiskey in a Snapple bottle. <laughs> With drinks in hand, they rollerbladed along the Venice boardwalk and talked. He reiterated how talented she was. She, you know, He was obviously wooing her. And she said, I was truly blinded by his celebrity status. There were a few moments I thought, hey, this is kind of weird. But the same phrase kept playing through my head that stopped me from leaving. It's okay. He's a Christian. He won't do anything inappropriate. Well, let me give you a little hint, Kate. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sure this was a terrible event. But when he handed you the vodka, there was something inappropriate going on. Okay. Kate then tells the story that she kept drinking from it, became intoxicated, and eventually became blackout drunk, okay, and that he basically accosted her, he grabbed her, uh, pulled her into a sexual position, and the problem was he wasn't the only, this wasn't the only woman he was doing this to. There was a number of women, text messages, married women that he was uh, attempting to sleep with and sleeping with and even offering free tickets for sexual favors. Guys, this is the stuff that's going on. This isn't somebody stumbling. We have to recognize and see very clearly this is not someone who loves Jesus when practicing these things. This is merely pharisaical. He's drawing near to them with his lips, but his heart is far from him. We need to be careful, okay? And women, I, I just got to tell you, if some guy invites you up into his apartment alone and starts handing you alcohol, it's probably a hint to leave, all right? I don't care if he claims to be a Christian. I could claim to be a professional baseball player, but if I don't own a bat and I don't play for one of the teams, I'm just a liar, 
And that's the same thing that was going on with John Christ. And I'll be honest with you, I had seen a couple of things. My my wife had shown me, hey, this is pretty funny. And, and I think he had a, a segment on church hopping, you know, where he's looking for the best salesman uh, in terms of the church being sold to him, what it was like. I've seen a couple of things, you know, the worship, the contemporary worship artists coming to f- sign a record deal and, and some of the stuff. I'm like, oh, this is actually pretty funny. But then other stuff, I had told my wife, I said, you know, I, I have a real check about some of the stuff that he puts out and I can't tell if he's joking in terms of making fun of Christians or if he's making fun of Christians for having certain viewpoints. And for me, I got to be honest with you, whenever there's smoke, there's typically fire. Okay. And that's what was going on. I said, you know, I don't like any compromise. All right. I think that's the most, the dirtiest word in the Christian faith should be the word compromise. Because that's exactly what happens to people. In fact, I was blessed enough to give a teaching yesterday at the Ventura County Rescue Mission. And I gave it on spiritual warfare. And after I had given a message, you know, one of the things I talked about is that people don't actually have a relationship with Christ. And so they try to get off these drugs. And what happens is they get pulled right back to it. They clean out one demon and then seven more come. Uh, and uh, they when they find it clean and they make it worse off for the person than it was before. Okay. And I think that's what happens in a lot of different AAs, you know, pray to a doorknob, you know, and maybe you get rid of, you know, your drinking problem, but then, you know, comes the rest of the sins. Usually it starts with coffee and cigarettes and fornication is typically the route that I've seen from just my, um, you know, I, I actually had court ordered AA before I was saved, uh, because of my, uh, my DUI as a young kid as an 18-year-old kid, um, as a reprobate, um, not as a practicing believer. Uh, But nonetheless, guys, I really, really, really want you to see that if you think that you're going to do this on your own, that's a problem, okay? And one of the things, the reason why I bring that up, because I think it'll be a perfect segue into talking about spiritual warfare, okay, and how we're supposed to apply this. Because this is something that another person that he was taking advantage of, who in the article they call Sarah, said, uh, it said this in the article, it said, earlier this year, when Sarah eventually discovered Chris had pursued other relationships during the two years she knew him, she confronted him over text, accusing him of emotional manipulation and having inappropriate sexual online relationships with multiple women simultaneously, including some married women. He texted back a day later. Yes, everything she said was true. Quote, I just want you to know you have such a platform, she told him over the phone. If you would change, you could use your platform for such extraordinary things. I can't imagine how heavy life must be. You're constantly trying to keep track of your lies and running from your lies and waiting for the other shoe to drop. Chris replied, you're so right. There are days that I just wish everything would come out all at once and it would finally be done. In all honesty, that day of reckoning has come. I don't know if all of it's come out and guys, we're not, most of us aren't in the celebrity field. And when you sin, especially sexually, it doesn't get dropped out on the news and the most talked about thing. This is a guy who had a Netflix special coming out. And this is a guy who's currently on tour and had to cancel his entire tour. This is his income guys. And yet he's going to have to come to the realization that he needs to humble himself, recognize in all honesty, if you're doing these things, 
especially for the amount of time he's been doing it, there's no way you can convince me that this person practicing such wickedness is a brother in Christ. I do not see that, guys. Just go read the epistles. Have fun trying to find them because what I remember is Paul rebuking a man who was sleeping with his own mother at worst, his stepmother at best, okay? And guess what was happening in the church of Corinth? What were they doing? In that very church of Corinth, they were accepting him. Oh, he's so sweet. We'll just have him in here. It's no problem. It's no problem having a guy in our church that is sleeping with his mother's wife. No big deal, right? Problem is, it's a real big deal. And he said he's going to deliver him over to Satan. And what I love is that in 2 Corinthians, we get to see that the guy repented. But we get to see, and this is why I love scripture, because God's the one who wrote it. And it's beautiful. And when we read it, we really get edified. And a lot of times we get a lot of the story. I know that for a fact that we get all the story that we need. Okay. And that's exactly what we get. And in 1 Corinthians, we see the sin. In 2 Corinthians, we see the sin of the church in two different regards. In the first one, accepting it. In the second one, rejecting a repentant man. And this is where, this is where I want to flip the scripts a little bit. Okay, we're talking about these heinous things that John Chris did. And guys, we're going to talk about it. This isn't because this is tabloidish, okay? But we're going to talk about it because I'm not going to have the world expose the wickedness that's happening, quote unquote, in the church. And then we just stand back and say, oh, well, we'll just act like nothing ever happened. I think that's sinful behavior. And I think that that's the kind of behavior that's al- that allows these abuses to continue, okay? In the early church, when Irenaeus had one of the elders at his church their wife fall with Marcion and then sleep with Marcion and a lot of the early Gnostics and these horrible cults that they were running in and pulling people out. There's a reason why uh, in Second John we're told not to even give them a greeting because you accept them and allow their sins to come into your house. Actually, Irenaeus, one of the early church fathers in the second century, quoted that exact verse in in this regard. He said, because that woman was taken captive, okay? And they, that's what they do. They take women captive. And that's what John Christ was doing. So we need to make sure we're watching out for these things. And you know what? I am not going to let other people warn against it, non-believers warn against it, and not warn against it. But also, that would be the sin of the first Corinthians, letter. You know what the sin of the second Corinthians letter is? Second Corinthians chapter two, we'll start at verse eight. Wherefore, I urge you to reaffirm your love for him. For to this end, also I write so that I might put you to the test, whether you are obedient in all things, but one whom you forgive anything. I also, I forgive also for indeed what I have forgiven. If I have forgiven anything, I did it for your sakes in the presence of Christ. Verse 11, so that no advantage will be taken of us by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his schemes. So we quote that verse. We quote 2 Corinthians 2.11. We, we do not want to be ignorant of Satan's schemas, devices, schemes. What is the scheme that he's talking about here? Being unloving of the repentant. And that's not something I would ever want to do. If John Chris truly repents, he needs to be reaffirm his love. Does that mean he should probably go out and start talking about all the problems in the Christian world? No, I wouldn't say that at all. Okay. I think he needs to humble himself and fall under the mighty hand of God. And here's the problem. We need to reaffirm our love to those who fall and come back. We need to forgive 70 times seven guys. We need to have a heart of reconciliation. 
Okay, and that includes reconciliation with people who do heinous sin. If you could find me outside of maybe, you know, pedophilia, you find me some more heinous sin um, that you would have to deal with than someone sleeping with his own mother. Okay, and he called that church to reaffirm their love to him. So we also need to recognize, check this out. We're going to switch over to spiritual warfare here because who is the one What is the scheme and who is it from? The scheme of unloving, unaffirming love, casting away someone who's repentant, is from Satan. And guys, I don't think that we recognize these things are from Satan. I don't think that John Chris was recognizing all the demonic activity that was going on. Because think about the fall he's had. Think about the women who thought he was a Christian. Think about that girl who got blackout drunk and then had to tell her boyfriend about it the next day. Okay? Girls, please don't fall in the traps of these deceivers. Guys, don't be a dirtbag. Don't be this deceiver. Okay? Fight. Fight for your purity. What is God's will for your life? 1 Thessalonians 5 gives his exact will for our life. Each and every one of us. Every single one of us. What is God's will for your life? Guess what? Your sanctification. That you would abstain from sexual immorality. Guys, don't forget that this is demonic. Don't forget that we can talk about spiritual warfare. Don't forget that we aren't preparing ourselves if we don't understand the enemy and his tactics. You know, I've always found it interesting, and of course I'll use sports analogies, but uh, I really don't like the New England Patriots for a number of reasons. One, they win a lot, and two, they're cheaters. (laughs) But one of the ways that they cheated... Okay, they cheated a number of different ways from deflating balls and recording practices and different things like that. But one of the ways they got caught was that they would record in the first half of games, record the defensive and offensive coordinators telling the plays that should be run. And they would record their signals to what plays are going to be run. And so they would literally use an old school camera, have somebody in the crowd filming the person running the plays. And the only reason that they got caught was because an assistant coach on the Patriots got a job with the New York Jets, and they would play twice a year. And I'm sure he thought, well, I know how they cheat. I'm sure they won't cheat against me, but he caught them cheating and told on them. And that's the only reason they got caught. But why did they go to such great lengths? They lost draft picks. I think they got fined like $500,000. Why would they go to such great lengths to record those things, even though they knew the consequences? It's because... Now they would have a strategic advantage. If you had an idea of what your opponent was trying to do before they were able to do it, guess what? They're going to be in big trouble. So when we know who our opponent is and we have not just video, we have the written word of God telling us what our opponent looks like and telling us how to defeat him, How dumb do we have to be to not go and read it, guys? To not recognize the spiritual warfare. What was the default position of the New Testament church? They all knew that there was spiritual warfare. Every single one of them. So why on earth, and guys, let's be honest. I, For me, I'm more of a logician. I was just talking to uh, to Tony about this. I'm more logician than I am artist, okay? I I like logical argumentation. I like apologetics, okay? And for me, a lot of these things that we talk about, I want to lay out a case as, I I don't want to say humanistic as I can, but in terms that 
would speak to the atheist, so to speak. But the thing is, guys, is that if I'm going to be logical, I have to recognize that Jesus fought against demons, that he fought against the literal devil. Matthew chapter 4 is very clear about some spiritual warfare that was going on with Jesus, right? Over and over again with the Gadarenes, right? With the man by the tombs cutting himself. We are legion for we are many. Thousands of demons inside one man. And I'm going to think, oh, you know, no big deal. I, I, you know, I, I, got a, I got an answer for that. You know, let me, let me look through my Rolodex and, and let me look through the text that I have in my apologetics books and not recognize, wait a second, Lord, I need to pray right now. Okay, I want to I want to read from this little story in in Acts chapter nineteen, and I'm sure a lot of you guys are familiar with it. Okay, um, starting at verse eleven, it talks about God was performing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul, so that handkerchiefs or aprons were even carried from his body to the sick, and the diseases left them, and evil spirits went out. God had a special pouring out at that time that was going on. Okay, but in verse thirteen, but also some of the Jewish exorcists who went from place to place attempted to name over those who had the evil spirits uh, evil spirits the name of the Lord Jesus saying I adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preaches they didn't really know Jesus did they let's see how this goes verse 14 seven sons one of Sceva a Jewish chief priest were doing this and the evil spirit answered and said to them I recognize Jesus and I know about Paul but who are you and the men in whom was the evil spirit leaped on them and subdued all of them and overpowered them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. He beat them to a bloody pulp naked, ran them out. When these men decided they were going to, well, you know, we'll do it in the name of Jesus as well, but they don't actually have Jesus. In 1 Samuel 16, you have literally the anointing of David with the Holy Spirit put on him in verse 12 and 13. And then... We see that Saul, the Holy Spirit had departed from Saul, and now evil spirits are coming on Paul over and over again. And then verse 22 of chapter 16 says, Saul sent to Jesse, let David now stand before me, for he has found favor in my sight. So it came about whenever the evil spirit from God came to Saul, David would take the harp and play it with his hand, and Saul would be refreshed and be well, and the evil spirit would depart from him. Notice it was once that da- once David had that Holy Spirit, right? It was these men of Sceva not having the Holy Spirit, okay? That's God doing the work. That's why in John 15, Jesus is very clear. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You can do no thing. You have no power. The archangel Michael would not bring up a railing accusation against Satan, but rather said, the Lord rebuke you. So when you have these false teachers binding and Satan all the time, one, why don't you keep them bound? Okay. Uh, second of all, when you have them doing this nonsense, okay, in their own power and their own strength, okay, as far as I'm concerned, they're the sons of Sceva, and that's why I believe a lot of them, all right, a lot of those guys fall into sexual sin, because this is an area where Satan comes and gets you. But you think of the chief text of spiritual warfare. One, I would point out, the chief text of spiritual warfare found in Ephesians chapter 6, starting at verse 10 through verse 17, that text specifically follows marriage, okay? So I want you to recognize that you're in a battle if you're married and a picture of God's relationship, okay, with us, the father, the son, the bride, right? The bride and the bridegroom, all that. If you're a picture of that, 
guess what? The enemy doesn't like it. He hates it. And he's going to attack your family. And he wants you to cheat on your wife. He wants the woman, the wife, to cheat on her husband. He wants the children to be disobedient. So you watch Paul go through these things and then says this in verse 10. And even and then even he even includes your workplace, by the way, right before this. And then he says in verse 10, finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. He starts off spiritual warfare with the fact that you need to be strong in the Lord. As Jesus said, apart from him, you can do nothing. You have no power. It's all in Jesus. And he says, put on the full armor of who? Not your but of God so that you'll be able to stand firm against the schemes schemas of the devil for our we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against the rulers against the powers against the world forces of this darkness against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places therefore take up the full armor of God so you'll be able to resist in the evil day and have done everything to stand firm stand firm therefore having girded your loins with truth Yes, you have to worship the Lord in spirit and truth. You can't just be frolicking about like a crazy person and think you're going to be fine. No, we actually have to gird up everything with the truth. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness, you walk upright in the Lord. I Right now, I'm going to be honest with you, I have a rat problem in my house. If I leave breadcrumbs on the floor, guess what comes at night? You need to take those breadcrumbs, okay, of sin out of your life and do not give the devil a foothold, okay? And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You need to be sharing the gospel. You need to be active in sharing your faith. In a, in a, oh, I'm sorry. In addition to all, taking up the shield of faith, which you will be able to extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Guys, we need to make sure that we have the shield of faith, extinguishing those arrows, those, those doubts, those things, those thoughts that he may send your way. Hold up that shield of faith. Okay, do not allow the enemy to grab a foothold in your life. Take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Okay, I, I, I have to do a whole nother message on what the helmet of salvation is, but you guys know exactly what the sword of the spirit is. It's the word of God. What do you have to extinguish? What do you have to go out to battle with? You have all of these things, walk in them and don't fall in these pitfalls as John Chris did, and make sure if you have a John Chris that fell into these sins, you have a friend that fell into these sins, do what James 5, 19 and 20 says. If Take care, brethren, if any, any among you strays from the truth and one brings him back, you save his soul from death and cover multitude of sins. Romans 11 says, if a branch may be broken off, you need to graft it back in, okay? Be the brother that's grafting back in. Be the brother that's making sure you take heed that none of your friends have a sinful, unbelieving heart fallen away from living God. Hold each other accountable and fall under the mighty hand of God. This has been Chad Davidson. This is the 511 News.